the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now, here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. So many have this notion that Jesus, as a man, came to relate to our situation. Make no mistake about it. Jesus does understand the condition of humanity. He does know what it feels to be a human being. He was fully man, but also fully God. He can certainly share. He certainly shared in our condition. But he did not come for that purpose. He came to rescue us from our situation, not to relate to our situation. He came to rescue us from sin. Okay? Jesus had no sin. So he could not ever relate to the fallenness of sin. The Bible says that he who had no sin became sin for us. That doesn't mean that he sinned. It only means the sin was placed upon him as a payment on our behalf. So that's also critical in understanding what Jesus has to say about who he is. That he did not come simply to relate to our fallenness. He could never have done that because he is never tainted with sin. He wasn't born technically the same way as we are. We are born into sin. We are a product of our mother and father. We are sons of Abraham and so on and so forth. Or Adam and Abraham and all of these things. But Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He had no sin in him. And why, why are you, forgive me if I pound on this thing, because there are now Christians who think that Jesus somehow had to sin in order to relate to what it's like to be a sinner. And I, I, I never thought that, that I would hear that from people who say they are Christians. But if you are a follower of Jesus, that's an impossibility. You, you know, Jesus was never tainted with any kind of sin. There are those who think that he can relate to humans because of human sinfulness and therefore, you know, that beca- he becomes a legitimate savior because he knew what he was like. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus says, I am a light. I have come to save. I have come to rescue. Light is, you know, like a, a symbol of rescue. You know, if you're in a, a stormy sea and, you know, it's dark when you see a light, you know, you kind of go to the light because that's your place of refuge. Okay? I pound in this a lot because there are now 
people who call themselves Christians who believe this, that Jesus was capable of sinning and therefore he probably had been tainted with sin in order for us, uh, for us to be able to relate to him. He came to rescue us, to forgive us of our, of our sin. I just want to be sure that you hear my voice <laughs> and you're hearing what I'm saying. Jesus did not come to simply relate to the situation of humanity. He didn't need that, okay, to save us. He didn't need to relate to us in order to offer us salvation. And yet he came, he experienced our sufferings, he experienced our dilemma in order to rescue us. His primary purpose was not to experience what it's like to be human. His primary purpose was to rescue humanity from the penalty of sin. Okay? Now, having said that, Jesus understands human plight. He understands that. He, he, he recognizes that. He understands all of that. He, he understands that sin represented darkness. But he himself was never part of that darkness until the, the pivotal moment on the cross when, when, when God had to turn his back on him while he took on the sin of the world. He prim his primary purpose in coming is to save sinners. What does it mean to us? It means that when we believe in him, we will no longer live in darkness represented by sin and death. We are no longer under the death sentence. Some look at this verse and say, uh, see, Jesus says, if anyone hears my voice and do not believe in me, I will not judge that person. I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. And sometimes uh, people, you know, misunderstand that to mean that Jesus, because Jesus already died for, for the sin of the world, that, that, that sin is no longer an issue, that we can live all, uh, you know, any old way we want, that we can do anything we want, that we can whatever, as long as we believe in Jesus, it doesn't matter how we live our lives, it doesn't matter whether we have sin in our lives, Jesus is not going to judge us anymore because uh, he already died and paid for all of that so I can have the freedom to live my life the way I want to live. That's not what it's saying. Jesus isn't going to judge sinners because he became the penalty for that. Our response to that is to recognize that that is an act of rescuing us, not giving us permission to live the way we want. Jesus' coming, his death on the cross, is a, is a rescue mission. It was a rescue mission, not a relational mission. When he said, I'm not going to judge meaning I'm going to rescue you rather than judge you. And as we will see on the following verse, there, are, there is a judgment coming to those who will reject him. Okay? So there's a, here's the third thing. Uh, Jesus rescued us from our sin, and effectively, the third point is, he became our remedy. The remedy to our separated state from God. Okay, he did not just come to rescue us from our sins, but he also remedied our separation from God. Look at the next verse. There is a judge, there it is, for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own, for the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. Jesus is not just our rescuer from judgment that is to come but he is also the remedy 
to our separated state from God. Everyone outside of Jesus is separated from God. That's, that's the indictment that God has given fallen humanity. We don't get to be reconciled with God without Jesus. We don't get to, to, ha- to, be, to be one with God. We don't get access to God, so to speak. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. That, doesn't, that's, that includes our salvation, but that also includes worship, by the way. Okay? Uh, you, maybe you came in this morning, you're saying, well, you know, I, I, I'm going to go offer my worship to God. You, you can't do that unless you know Jesus. You can't do that unless you go through the mediation of Jesus. Because it's Jesus that remedied our separation from God. No kind of worship is acceptable to God outside of a relationship with Jesus. And if you think that Christmas is, again, just another celebration of, of, of this, this, the birth of the Savior and all of that, and that's fine and good, but you got to understand, He also opened the door so we can worship God freely. So we can have confidence in approaching the throne of God. With confidence. And we know that God is going to offer His grace. We know that God is going to be attentive to what we pray about. Because we're praying everything in the name of Jesus. And something gets lost in the translation. People say, I can just walk in and worship God in my own terms. I can worship God the way I want to figure this thing out. I'm going to worship God the way I want to worship God. No, God says, you only worship me through the mediation of Jesus the Messiah. It becomes a big deal how we approach the throne of God. It's a big deal now that Jesus is our heavenly advocate. It becomes a big deal that Jesus is now our comforter, the only mediator between God and man. That includes everything. When you pray, listen, you, can, you, 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 you cannot possibly pray and have confidence in your prayer if you don't know Jesus. And I'm saying that to people who don't know Jesus. Of course, if you know Jesus, your prayers... My prayers are going to be heard and answered. Why? Because of the mediation of Jesus on our behalf. He remedied our separated state. Okay? Jesus is both the cause and effect of our salvation. Because of His coming, we are rescued from the penalty of sin, which effectively resolved our separated state from God. And that's a big deal during Christmas. That's worth honoring and celebrating. When Jesus spoke these words, again, he was literally shouting to the people, listen, hey, this is the way it is. God has been dropping hints throughout history. Again, let me say this. God has been dropping hints. He gave the law. He gave the prophets. He gave them kings. He gave, he gave them everything. He gave them priests. So you have the law, you have the prophets, you have the kings, and you have the priests. He's been dropping hints that something is coming, that, that, that a fulfillment of redemption is coming. And now Jesus was right in front of them, and they said, ah, you know what? We just don't want to believe. And Jesus was saying to them, look, it's no longer a hint. There are no longer clues. I am now the mediator between you and God. You're not going to need structures. You're not going to need anything. You only need to look at me. I'm the author and perfecter of your faith. If you put that in me, you will have access to God. Outside of that, doesn't matter how much sacrifice you do, how much offering you offer, Jesus 
was the fulfillment of the law. He was the fulfillment of prophecy. He was our great high priest and he's our king of kings. No one else is going to come and substitute that. And that's why Jesus was shouting. That's why Jesus was screaming at the top of his lungs. Bible says he cried out because people just didn't get it then. And you know what? People still don't get it now. Why are people so, you know, hard of hearing? Why is, why are people's hearts darkened? You know, I've been a Christian for a long time, you know, and, and, um, and sometimes I, I, I talk to people. You know, you got to love people when you talk to people. You know, you got you to counsel them. You got you to show them God's love, His grace and mercy. All of that have to do that. But you know, sometimes deep inside of me, I say to myself, Oh, if you only surrender your life to the Lord. If you only really just cut loose all of your reservations, all of your, uh, you know, apprehensions or whatever, all of your reservations, whatever you want to call them. And if you just flat out look to Jesus and put your faith in Jesus. Don't look at the circumstances. Don't look at what's going on. Don't look at the past. Don't look at what's going on around. But look to Jesus. You know, solves all the problems. <laughs> that's what the Bible says. Oh, that's too big to say. You know, Pastor, I got a lot of problems. And, you know, I, I prayed to God and all of these things. Listen, if you're going to come to Jesus only because you have a need, only because you're in a jam, or only because you have something that you want to achieve in life, you're going to be disappointed. Jesus is saying, I am the light. You're separated from God. There's no way you can have access with God unless you come through me. And so it begins with trusting in Jesus. It all begins with Jesus and it ends with Jesus. Because he's the one that not only revealed himself as the only begotten son of God, not only did he rescue us from sin, but he also remedied that separation that so that we can be reconciled with God. Now, this is just the gospel. You've heard this before. But I need, to, I need to make sure that everybody understands this because we have so many different ideas of what it means to be a Christian. You know, we, we, we try to say, you know, I, I'm going to have to solve these issues by myself. No, God says, look to Jesus. He's the author. The author and perfecter, the author and finisher. What does that mean? It means that he is the one that he, he, he's in authority in your life. An author is an authority. He's someone who takes over the rule of our lives. You know, when you say submit to authority, what do you do? You do what the authorities say, right? And that's what Jesus is. When you say you have Jesus as the Lord of your life, and I know I say this all the time, he becomes king. And when he becomes king, we bow to the king. We follow the authority of the king. We don't, we don't question even the authority of that king. You can't, you can't enter the kingdom of God and say, you know what, I trust you, Jesus, but uh, I'm going to continue in this lifestyle. I'm going to continue believing this. I'm con going to continue doing that. That's not the attitude of someone who says they are under the authority of someone? That's not our attitude. Of course not. 
And Jesus mediated that. Now, you know, we can now have access to God through Jesus. Which leads us to the fourth and final word that Jesus has to say about Christmas. And that is, um, if we believe in him, he will revive our soul. He will revive the soul. Verse 50, I know that his command leads to eternal life. The words of Christ are the words of God. So whatever I say, just what the fa- so whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Christmas is Jesus reviving the soul of fallen humanity. Everyone who who was born in this world is spiritually dead. Every single person. We are dead in our trespasses. We're all spiritually dead. The Bible talks about that. And the words of Jesus lead to eternal life. What does that mean? It means that everyone who hears the call of Jesus to follow him and abide in him and obey his word will demonstrate that their souls have been made spiritually alive. They are now dead to sin and have been given life because of Christ. Dead to sin meaning your old life is gone. There's a new life. Your soul has been revived. Your spirit has been revived. You are now entering eternal life okay you now have eternal life eternal life doesn't begin when you die eternal life begins the moment you put your trust in jesus this is the testimony that we have eternal life now that we do follow jesus there's a willingness to surrender to the words of jesus Uh, jesus would say to his disciples if you love me obey my commands why was jesus saying that to us why did he say that to his disciples why is he saying us to us now is it just because he wants to be loved of course he does he wants to be loved is it because he was trying to exercise simply that authority uh, that i have if i'm your god you will obey me and all of that is is he being uh, capricious is he being authoritarian about demanding that we love him and worship him absolutely but that's not the purpose of doing that the reason why we obey the words of christ it's because it's the evidence that your soul is going to live forever You want to know that you have eternal life now? There is this predisposition to obeying the words of Christ. There's a change. There's an old song back in the 60s. I love that song. It's called Born Again. I don't even remember who sang it. But it says, Born Again, there's really been a change in me. That's the point of the new birth. How do people know that you have eternal life? How do people know that your soul will live on after you die? The words of Christ is front and center, right? There is that desire in us to abide by the words of Jesus. In fact, in John chapter 15, Jesus says... If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will be fruitful. 
What's the purpose of fruitfulness? Fruitfulness is the evidence that we have a new life. We have an eternal life. The world is seeing you and I, and they're saying, you know, that's a very fruitful life. I can see that that fruitfulness, uh, you know, is front and center in this person's life. That becomes our testimony. And it, it goes into the heart of our ethics, the way we behave, the way we speak, the way we deal with each other. And it's a, it's a, it's a growing thing in our lives. It's a, it's a growing testimony in our life. And why is that important? Because it's the evidence that you have eternal life. Uh, you know, we still have of this mindset that we think that, oh, you know, when I die, I'm going to heaven. Well, you know, you're on your way to heaven now. How do I know you're on your way to heaven? How do I know that? How do people know that? How, how, how are we the light of the world as Jesus is the light of the world? Bible says that Jesus is the light and that light is the life of men. There's darkness in the world. There's real darkness in the world. And if, if, if there's no light, if Jesus is in heaven and his body is here, we are the light of the world. Do you want people to know that you're going to live forever? You can show them now. We can show them now. And the evidence of it is the word of Christ. Really, not only appropriated, but it's an active, an active, you know, an active element. It's what frames our thinking. The words of Jesus frames our view of life. It frames the way we behave publicly. It frames the way we deal with our spouse, right? The way we deal with our children, the way we behave at work, the way we drive our cars, the way we uh, suggest things or the way we offer opinions, the way we um, process the news, the way we respond uh, uh, to a calamity. It penetrates every aspect of our lives. Why? Because God intended to show that as the evidence that you and I are moving towards eternity. That's, that's important. You know, I talk to people sometimes, you know, they're having some marital problems and, or problems within the family and all of that. And I always say, you know, you only got one physical life to live. <laughs> and then that life is short, you know. That life is short. It's, you know, you can live to be 100 and you think that that's long. Compare that to eternity. And God intends for every person who calls himself the light to be a reflection of that same light. So this is, this is not something, you know, this is something we, we hear all the time. You know, preachers like me, you know, we, we, we pound this in the, in the pulpit and, and, and people get mad because saying, hey, you know what? Uh, this is just too, too, too lofty a goal for me to achieve. And that's why Jesus says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit is present. Because without the Holy Spirit guiding the way we live, it, it is impossible to have the strength to go and abide by the words of Jesus. We possess eternal life now. And we celebrate Christmas. And, you know, if there's one thing that, that you want to 
really grasp is the fact that if you believe in Jesus, the life is different. Your life has changed. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, Paul says this. Fight the good fight of faith. Now, that's a lot of F for a Filipino to speak of. But I went through it. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Well, you know what that means? It means the moment we confess our faith. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. The moment that happened, you're now ready to fight the good fight of faith. And as you're fighting the good fight of faith, you're demonstrating that you're getting a hold of eternal life. Amen? That's what it means. It means nothing less. Christmas, according to Jesus, is clear. And Jesus is shouting this to us today. I mean, maybe, maybe not literally, but as he did, okay? Declaration of the nature, his nature and his mission. He is revealed as the only son of God to rescue us from our sin, effectively reconciling us to God so that we can have eternal life. And that, my friends, is the gospel that Christmas preaches. You think that's worth honoring, amen? So do I. Let's stand. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 10.30 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.